stood gazing into heaven and the angel said why stand ye gazing into heaven that same Jesus whom you saw took up in the clouds will in like manner come again he set him down at God's right hand and he gave him back the glory that he had with him before the world was made I don't know why people can't see that it's be I think they could if they'd look at it and that Jesus was just for a while humbled himself like a man and was made in the form of a servant but God didn't lead him that way always when he burst the sun to the bars of death and came out conquer over death Hades and the grave he plucked as it were the rose of immortality and planted up on a, upon an open tomb he painted the rainbow hope in the valley of death and he broke open the bars to heaven and let us be into that celestial home of the soul just over there he's sitting there at God's right hand and he's the Jesus the Son of God he makes the same mistake my honorable opponent does and I say it with all due respect he makes the same mistake that they made when they crucified the Son of God the Jews believed that there was only one person in the Godhead they refused to believe any other way when Jesus came to them and said I'm the Son of God God is my father. They said, that's wrong. You're making yourself equal with God and therefore you're blaspheming. And they cried out to Pilate and said, to crucify away with him. And Pilate said, I find no fault in this just man. Let not his blood be upon my hands. And they cried out and said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. That's the reason they crucified him. They had the same theory my opponent had. They couldn't conceive of God dividing his power with three persons. They thought that if it's one, it's got to be one person. And here came Jesus Christ, notwithstanding that he'd been spoken about throughout the Old Testament. When he came and said, I am come, they said, oh, no, you're wrong. There's just one. Why Moses talked about one. And we're not going to accept you. You're an imposter. Crucified. You say that position we are trying to debate is that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Ghost you hardly know that listening to Mr. Toddy tonight because he talked about everything except that now last night Mr. Toddy had in his possession, I understand, or at least was quoting from a copy of a certain church manual. He talked about a direct revelation, a direct revelation, a direct revelation, a direct revelation. How many of you heard that? How many of you heard the word direct? How many of you thought he was reading it out of the book? direct revelation. Can I see any hand raised? Listen to this. The word direct is not in the manual from which he read. He said we got this revelation in 1914. Now let me read you the paragraph. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord became a new book. Talking about the scripture, the Bible. The word of the Lord became a new book. As people read it, it became new, as it were, to them. 
With the coming of the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord became a new book. Truths, that's truths out of the book, which had been hidden for many years, were made clear. In the year 1914 came the revelation on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ out of the book. Not a word about a direct revelation here. My honorable opponent has completely misled you, giving you the impression that the Pentecostal movement got this revelation direct, that is to say, uh, bypassing the book. That's the very opposite to what the manual says. The manual says when the Holy Ghost came into the lives of people, he did what Jesus said he'd do. He made the book a new book, and forgotten truths were rediscovered. Not a word about direct revelation. Anybody can knock down straw soldiers. Make a soldier and stuff him with straw. You can knock him down. It's another thing to knock down live soldiers. I'm very much a live soldier. We've heard a lot of talk about the flesh body of Jesus now. Now let me make a statement here before this vast assemblage. The Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead in and with the body of his humanity which was the fruit of the virgin womb. One day Jesus said to the Jews, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. In other words, what you destroy that is the thing I will raise up. His disciples didn't fully understand, but when he was risen from the dead, they understood what he meant. They thought he meant the Jewish temple, but the Bible says he spoke of the temple of his body. So they destroyed that temple in death. And on the third day, as he said he would, he rose from the dead. Destroy this body in three days, I will raise it up. And when he appeared to his apostles in Luke 24 and 39, they thought he was a spirit. But he assured them they were mistaken. He said, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. And so he stood before them in his resurrected body, a body of flesh and a body of bone according to his own confession. Now in that body of flesh and body of bone, he appeared among them and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs from, for 40 days. Then, at the end, from Mount Olivet, he was received up into glory in that very body of flesh and bone. And the angel standing by, Acts 1 verse 11, said to the apostles, The same Jesus, Jesus with his resurrected flesh and bone body, 
this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back in the body of his glorified manhood. But let me tell you something else. When he comes back, he's not only coming back as to the body of his glorified manhood, because there's more to Jesus than manhood. There's deity. In the first epistle of John, the third chapter, the first two verses I read this. John's first epistle, the third chapter, the first two verses. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The Apostle is talking about the Father. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Whom did the world not know? The first chapter of the Gospel of John will tell you. He was in the world, Jesus, and the world was made by him, Jesus, and the world knew him not, Jesus. All right, I'll read that again. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Does that not make Jesus the Father as to his deity? But we read on, beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, the Father, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Jesus, as to his humanity, is the flesh temple of the Father. Jesus said, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. That's how it was when he was here on earth. And that's how it will be when he returns again. As he told them in the judgment hall, he said, I'm coming in the glory of my Father. He's returning, hear me, in a body of his glorified humanity, flesh and bone, and still indwelt by the Father. Mr. Totty told us a few nights ago that God does not repent. God does not repent. Well, listen to this. 1 Samuel 15, 29. I beg your pardon. Mr. Totty told us the other night that God does repent. God does repent. I have said that God does not repent. Now listen to this. 1 Samuel 15, 29. The glory of Israel will not lie nor repent. For he is not a man that he should repent. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. James 1, 17 talks about the father of lights. Hear this. In whom there is no variableness. No variableness. He never varies. In whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
And Hebrews 6 and 17 talks about the immutability of his counsel. Mr. Toddy, look up at me. <laughs> Do you know the meaning of immutability? Did you know that was there? Have you ever read that? <laughs> Of course the Bible says God repents, but Mr. Toddy knows as well as I know that that is what the theologians call an anthropomorphism. <clears throat> you almost have to gargle that one, don't you? <laughs> this is what it means when the Bible says God repents. It doesn't mean there's variableness with God. It doesn't mean that he lacks the attribute of immutability. It means that before man he appears to repent. That's language which God uses to accommodate himself to our puny mind and thought. Mr. Totty, the God whom I is immutable and he does not repent. Now you talk tonight about the propositions. You know very well that we have accepted those propositions and we are looking forward to another debate in Indianapolis. So now you've got the time between now and then to brush up on things and work on a few more little slides. I hope I hope that when you do, you'll make your slides much more comprehensive than you have done in the past. Now listen to this extraordinary statement which fell from the lips of my opponent tonight. The proposition is that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He affirms it, I deny it. Now, he says, they haven't always been equal. I'm quoting him verbatim. They haven't always been equal. The proposition is that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's the proposition which he is defending and I'm denying. Suddenly, he joins me and he says, they haven't always been equal. What are we debating about? You know, I feel a little story I heard concerning your General Grant. General Grant heard a great commotion going on one day, so he stepped out of his headquarters and soon saw why the soldiers were laughing. He soon saw the object of their merriment. There was a red-headed Irishman on a wild horse. And the wild horse was trying to throw the Irishman. And the antics of the horse trying to throw the Irishman, and the antics of the Irishman trying to hold on were really funny. Then, somehow or other, the horse got one of his hind legs caught in the stirrup. And was hobbling around on three legs. 
Then the Irishman suddenly noticed it. And Paddy said to the horse, well, Begora, if you're getting on, I'm getting off. He is defending the proposition that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. He's defending it, Mark. I'm denying it. He says God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. I'm denying it. He stands up and says they haven't always been equal. Well, Mr. Toddy, Bagara, if you're getting on, I'm getting off. <laughs> I don't want you to join me. You keep on your side of the fence and you say what you're obligated to say. You say that they have eternally existed. God has eternally existed in three co-equal persons. Don't switch horses in midstream and now tell us they haven't always been equal. All right. He said they were not co-equal when Jesus was on the earth. They were not co-equal when Jesus was on the earth. So the Son and the Father used to be co-equal before Bethlehem. In other words, one knew as much as the other, and one had as much power as the other, and so forth. So before Bethlehem, according to dear Toddy, uh, they were co-equal. And then at Bethlehem, something happened to the Son, and he became not co-equal. Now, I read you last night in Mark 13, 32, where the son says he doesn't know about a certain matter. I believe he's talking about the coming of the Lord. The son says on earth, there's a certain thing I don't know about. At that day and at that hour knoweth no man known, nor the son, nor the angels of heaven. Now, Mr. Toddy, will you tell us what happened? The son was co-equal before Bethlehem. He knew as much as his father, had as much power as his father. Now after Bethlehem, we see him standing as a man among men, and he says, there's something I don't know. What happened? Did he forget? How can you have co-equality with someone, then lose co-equality with someone, and then pick it up again, and then lose it again. Because he says he won't be co-equal when he comes back. This picking up and dropping down of co-equality is rather disconcerting. Then we read about Matthew 27 and 46. He said it was Jesus who said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So he says, all right, Jesus is your God, and your only God. And Jesus said, not the Son, Mr. Toddy, what have I been trying to tell you in this audience now for four consecutive nights? Haven't I been trying to tell you that Jesus is the name of the Father, and is the name of the Son, and is the name of the Holy Ghost? Jesus, the greater, contains the lesser, the Son. Well, how did he pray, says Mr. Tommy? Hebrews 5 and 7 tells us, In the days of his flesh he prayed. 
and offered up supplications with strong tears and with crying. Jesus prayed on Calvary as the Son. He prayed as flesh, according to Hebrews 5 and 7. He did not pray as God. Mr. Totty has a co-equal God who prays to another co-equal God. And I repeat that a God who prays is no God at all. Mr. Toddy says, we say Jesus is holy flesh. W-H-O-L-L-Y. He maintains that we say Jesus is holy flesh. We never have. This is what we have said. The Son is holy flesh. We haven't said Jesus is holy flesh. We've been saying all the time that Jesus is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The Son is holy flesh and not Jesus. Jesus, of course, as the Son is flesh. But that's a different thing. It all depends on how you say it, Mr. Totty. Hear me tonight. I wouldn't say God died. I would not say that God died, but I would not hesitate to say that he who died was God. You know, there's a right way to say the right thing and a wrong way to say the right thing. And so when you tell me that we say Jesus is holy flesh, we deny it. We say the Son is holy flesh, but Jesus is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Jesus is deity as well as flesh. Then he says, is there a flesh man coming back to judge us? He says, you're not going to be judged by God at all, according to Mr. McGee. Mr. McGee says, you're going to be judged by a man. Well, what's so bad about that? In Acts 17 and 31, I read, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man. I'm saying exactly what the Bible says, Mr. Todd. All right. He has found the Son for us at last, existing in the Old Testament. Mr. McGee, he said, did you know it was there? Mr. Totten, have you fully decided in your mind what is there? Let's read it to you. Daniel 3 and 25. I am reading in a version, the American Standard Version, or I am reading from a King James Version with a good margin, both of which I have here in my possession. Now, Mr. Toddy, you told me before this debate began in the presence of two witnesses that you used both the King James and this old revised version, not the new scandalous revised version. So you told me you used both. So you'll have to forgive me if I kill you with your own sword. <laughs> Daniel 3 and verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the aspect of the fourth 
is like, hear it, a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar was a heathen. He believed in male gods and female gods. He believed in their cohabitating together, or their cohabiting together. He believed in their progeny or offspring. He believed in sons of the gods. He looks into the fiery furnace. He sees the three Hebrew children. He sees a fourth person who's obviously supernatural. And the old heathen says, according to this version and according to the King James, good margin, the old heathen says, the aspect of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now read verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his son and delivered his angels. Did I read that right? I'll read it again then. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants. So that takes care of that. <laughs> Mr. Toddy says, when the earth was made, Jesus Christ was there. Yes, glory. <laughs> He's the great eternal wonder. But listen, Jesus Christ was not there as son. I read him last night in cold print. In our Bible, any version, it says, Galatians 4 and 4, the Son was made of a woman. If the Son was made of a woman at Bethlehem, how can he have the Son thousands of years beforehand at the time of creation? It just won't work. He mentions John 17 and verse 5. John 17 and verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The glory which I had with thee before the world was. Mr. Toddy, I want to tell you that presents no difficulty to us whatsoever. The Son, now listen to this, and I'm not contradicting myself. We've been over this road too often. The Son was present with the Father away back there. Now don't cheer prematurely. The Son was present with the Father away back there. But in what sense? He could not have been present with the Father way back then in a physical sense because the Son was made of a woman. He hadn't yet been born. The angel said to Mary, Luke 1 and 35, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so since there was no son made or born until Bethlehem, the son could not have been present with the father way back there in a physical sense. In what sense then was he present with the father? In the idyllic sense. What do you mean by that, Brother McGee? Just this. 
Revelation 13 and 8 says, The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Now we know that the Lamb of God was not actually slain from the foundation of the world. We know he wasn't slain until just about 2,000 years ago. He wasn't slain in an actual sense. He was slain in the idyllic sense. In God's mind. In God's thought. In God's predestination. Let me tell you the sort of God I have. Romans 4 and 17. He calleth the things that are not as though they were. And the way back there in his thought, he called the things that were not as though they were. And before him there was his son in his thought, not actually but idyllically. And before him was the lamb slaughtered, not actually but in God's thought or God's mind. And, and God not only did that for the Lord Jesus Christ, but something similar happened in the experience of Jeremiah. Turn to the book of the prophet Jeremiah, if you please, chapter 1 and verse 5. God says to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now how could God know anybody before they were even formed in the belly? God didn't know the prophet actually or literally. God knew the prophet in his mind, in his foreknowledge. So God says to the prophet, Before I formed in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained tells us the Jews were wrong like my opponent that's me in believing in one God now doesn't that take the cake the Jews were wrong in believing in one God the Old Testament is full of one God teaching Moses, the servant of God, said to Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, Jehovah our Elohim is one Jehovah. One Jehovah. And when Jesus came and he was asked, And he was asked what was the most important commandment. He just repeated what Moses said. Hear, O Israel, Jehovah, our Elohim is one Jehovah. So if the Jews were wrong, as Mr. Totty says, in believing in one God, Moses was wrong in believing in one God. And what's infinitely worse, Jesus Christ was wrong because he believed in one God. Mr. Totty, you've got a lot to answer when you rise to your feet. But we ask you when you come back again to please do what you have not yet done. 
If you have an eternal son, turn to the Old Testament and put your finger on him and say, there he is in existence. We're not looking for the word son, we're looking for the son in existence. And this time, please, don't pick an angel. Pick the son. Find him for us if you possibly can. It can't be done. Hear me, people of God. I don't mind your applause. And I don't mind your concerted worship. And I don't think the people of Martinsville object either. You know, when the early church met together in the book of the Acts, they lifted up their voice to God. The Bible says, with one accord, with one accord, everybody praying at once. <laughs> it's not confusion if you know anything about the Spirit of God and His ways. Somebody asked me, how could God hear us all at the same time? That's no problem to our God. Think of it. He's in heaven, we're on earth, and, and at the same time he's listening to the prayers of multiplied millions, and he's hearing, and he's answering prayer. And do you know who that God is who's answering prayer? Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Mr. Toddy, you've only got 30 minutes left to sustain your proposition that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I know you'll never do it, not in 30 minutes. You couldn't do it in 30 days. You couldn't do it in 30 weeks. You couldn't do it in 30 years. You couldn't do it in 30 centuries. You couldn't do it in 30 millenniums, Mr. Totten. It's impossible for any man anywhere to sustain the Christ-dishonoring proposition that God eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I'm certainly glad, exceedingly glad, to get this chance tonight to not to answer the arguments that he made because my opponent made no argument. He never touched one that I made. He didn't even use the scriptures that I used, and I'll go over them again to refresh your mind to show you that he did not, though he's on the negative side of the question. And the rules of honorable debate says that your opponent must weigh your arguments with fairness and candor. And yet he didn't touch mine. If he waits till the next speech, when I have no answer, that'll show that he knew beforehand that he couldn't. And that if he garbled them up, that I would come back and straighten them out again. So he may do that. Sometimes false teachers do that. They wait until the other person, that's the reason they want the last speech in the debate. Now, he said that he had accepted the propositions. Well, he won't give me one of them. I gave him two copies with my name on both, and he won't give me one of them. If he signed it and accepted it, why doesn't he let me have one of them? What's, what's he holding back? He says he wants to work out a few little things. And he wants to give me time to get some more slides because he couldn't do anything with the ones I had. And he hopes I'll get some new ones. Now, if you accepted them, why don't you be a man and hand me my copy of them? 
Will you give me my copy? Hand it to me. Let me see if you've accepted it. Tell him, Mr. Urshan, to give me my copy. Come up here and let me have it. Mr. Toddy, you only give me one copy of each proposition. I gave you your copy and mine. Give me mine back, sign. I gave you him the... You only give me one copy of the proposition with your name on it. Now I'm going to sign it. Well, let me have it signed. Well, why shouldn't I keep it? My proposition, I've got mine on one page and yours on the other one. Don't you know? Listen, let me tell you something and then you... Uh, write them all out there, will you please? We'll just hand them all to him on one page. We wouldn't yeah. miss that debate in Indianapolis for all the rights in China. We'll be there. Well, prove it. Prove it. We, we've heard you say a lot of things, but we want you to prove it. Now, I gave him two pages. One had the proposition that he was going to affirm. I signed it and gave it to him to keep. Then I wrote mine out and signed it and gave it to him to sign to give back to me, and he won't do it. Now, that's a fact, and, and he can't get around that. Now, you know, he made a great plea for you people to start in like the worshipers of Baal again tonight. He tried to get that. He said the people, he didn't think the people of Martinsville would care. No, they don't care what you do. But they'll judge you by what you do. And then you know he made the colossal, egregious blunder by saying, everybody pray at once. That's the way to do it. And he said, that's the way. Well, now that isn't the way the Bible said do it. In the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, not more than two speak at once, and at the most three. Now, that's what Paul said. <laughs> Laugh a little. Let's have a big one on that. Laugh. Clap your hands. Come on, let's have a big shout. That's right. Come on, come on. That's right. You didn't do anything that time. Come on in a big way. Let's have a big one. I thought you had more people here than that. Can't you do any better than that? Let's have a big one. Come on. You're not doing very much tonight. His admonition didn't do much for you. That's the best you, you did much better than that night before last. What's the matter with you? Now the Bible says, he says all pray at once, and Paul said at the most, not more than three speak at one time. Now you pick out any three you want here. Of course we know people who don't have the Bible may do it anyway, but the Church of Christ doesn't do that. But one of the greatest things that my opponent did and a thing that I didn't think that even he would do was to get up knowing that I had a copy of this book lying over there and read into that which is not in there. He said that this said that it was out of the book and it doesn't say any such thing. He read that to you. He read it like this. In the year 1914 came the revelation out of the book. And that doesn't say it. And if it says it, I'll quit right now and go home. Any of you want to see it? It doesn't say it. Now, I'll read you what it does say. And I've got the same thing he's got, and he knew I had it when he read that. That's the thing about him I can't understand. In 1914, uh, 1900, in January 1900, they said that the Spirit came, 
and made a new book out of the Bible. Fourteen years passed by. And then he said that a revelation came. Now here's what this says. In the year 1914 came the revelation on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He put out of the book there, but that isn't in there. On the Lord Jesus Christ, the pivotal doctrines of the absolute deity of Jesus Christ and the baptism in his name became tenets of faith. Not a thing on God's earth about it being out of the book. And he put that over on you people. You want to see this copy? I'd be glad to let any of you read it. You'll see it isn't in there. The book is mentioned in 1900. The revelation came in 1914 and it does not. It positively does not. It absolutely does not say out of the book. Now what did you, is that the reason way you teach your people? Got up here and read a thing that absolutely wasn't so, and I'll hand it to any of you members of his church and let you read it. Any of you want to read it, I want you to catch it. I want you to see what he's doing to you. I want you to see that he read that it isn't in there. Do any of you want to see it? He never even hesitated. He said that the, in 1914 there came a revelation out of the book, and it doesn't say it. I emphasize it doesn't say it, and it's being recorded that he read it that way. And you people can get it and read it for yourself. And Mr. McGee, you intended to deceive those people. You knew when you were reading it, it isn't in the book. Is it in the book, then? Is it? You know it is. I'm on the floor. Do you want to read it? Say, you want to read it? Take it and read it. I just challenge you to read it. You don't want to see it, do you? Nobody is blind as he that won't see. You can hand it to them and they won't look at it. All right, we'll, we'll pass from that now. We want to show you some more other things that he said. He said that destroy this body and I'll raise it up. Why that was Jesus talking about his flesh yet? Yes, but he missed the point. He said that the flesh was, or the son was holy flesh. And then he came back in his speech and said that Jesus was flesh. But he says that Jesus is the only God. That Jesus is the supreme deity. And if he didn't say in his speech that Jesus is flesh. So we don't have any God then according to him. It's all flesh. Now what will the man say next? He'll deny that problem. And then he says that the son is wholly human the Son of Man, and when the Son comes, he's going to set up on the throne of his glory, holy human, and he tried to cover that up by saying that in the 17th chapter of Acts, he didn't tell you where it was or what it was, but I'll tell you. In the 17th chapter of Acts, when Paul was at Athens, and in the 30th verse, he said, In times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. In that he hath appointed a day in which he'll judge the world by righteousness through that man whom he hath appointed, wherein he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. He called him a man just like uh, Paul called him a man in Philippians 2, uh, 1 Timothy 2 and 5. And he says he's holy flesh. That's what this man said in his last speech. He's going to judge the world and if it's holy flesh, then God is holy flesh. Because God said that he was going to give him a reward 
and not to me only. This is in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. And not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. And he said that the judge will be done by God the righteous judge. And if we'll be judged by flesh, then God is flesh. Mr. McGee, and you said that I had a lot to answer. You've got a lot to answer for. Well, then he made an argument about, he said that God, I said that God repented and God did not repent. And he began to read that God did not repent. And he made that look good to you folks. And if he didn't turn right around and say, yes, I'll admit that God repents. You know you said that. After arguing that he doesn't repent, if he didn't turn right around and say he does repent. Well, of course God repents, but not in the sense that a sinner repents. God has no sin. The word repent just simply means to turn. And it doesn't mean to be sorry, as some people think. Godly sorrow works repentance. It isn't repentance. And in Jonah 3.8 that I read before, it said there, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways. And he repented of the evil that he would do unto them, and he did it not. That simply means that God changed his mind about destroying them, and he did it not. Why? Because they repented, and God changed his mind. No, God doesn't repent of evil because God has no evil. There isn't anything evil about God. I want you to hear that because you misrepresent that when you get up. God has no evil, but the meaning of the word repent means to turn away or to turn around, to change your mind. And when we talk of repenting from sin, we mean to turn away from sin. You can repent when you don't have any sin. You can repent about going home. You can decide that you're not going home. Then that is a repentance. Simply means a change of mind. But to repent from sin means to turn away from the sin. But he, he admitted that. There wasn't a need to say anything. And then he says that, that he, uh that the have not always been equal. Je Jesus, they have not always been equal. Well, now listen, let me tell you something. Then if they, if they, and that's what he said, have not always been equal, then they're more than one. Can a man be unequal with himself? Look up here and chew a little louder. I want it. Can a man be unequal with himself? Can you? Now you ask me some questions. Can a man be unequal with himself? You said they weren't always equal. No, you didn't say you, you may have meant to say you said it, but you said it yourself. And even went to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians last night and tried to prove it. And now he's got caught in it and he wants to lay it on me. Yes, no, they haven't always been equal. That's my proposition. That's what I'm saying. They haven't always been equal. <laughs> Laugh a little. Now do you want to know? I'll give you the verse that he, or, uh, passage he didn't read and show you. In Psalms 8, what did he say about Psalms 8? He hasn't even mentioned it. I read it last night and I read it tonight. In Psalms 8, God said, What is man, or David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? 
or the Son of Man that thou visitest him, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. What did my opponent say about it? Nothing. Because he couldn't say anything about it. Oh, he may say a lot about it after I sit down and finish my speech because he knows I can't come back. But why did he say something about it? Because there wasn't anything he could say about it. The Bible says that God made him a little lower than the angels. No, they haven't always been equal. Of course they have. And he was talking about the time when Jesus would be upon earth. And again, let me call your attention to what Paul said when he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, 5, 6, 7, and 8, when he said, And God there, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made for himself no reputation, but took upon him the form of a ser servant, and being fashioned in the likeness of man, he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. And then it said, because God said he did that, God exalted him far above every name. Now you knew I read that and put it down. You try to answer it now because I'm sitting down. He wouldn't even notice it while I had a, a chance. That's the way false teachers do. They'll wait till you've made all your speeches. And then they come back and they try to answer it because they think the cat's out of the way and the mice will play. All right. Now that answered that. Then he said that uh, the mule got his foot caught in the stir. And you know, I've heard that. It's got whiskers three feet long. But when he said that the Irishman was riding the mule, the mule got his feet in the stirrup, that the Irishman said, now if you're going to get on, I'll get off. Well, he's never been on. He got his foot caught in the stirrup before he got on. He's never touched it. And, but he did say, I'll get off. No, you won't. You can't get off because you never got off. And yet he's telling, that, that applied to him. He got his foot caught in the stirrup the first night and got off, fell off. He didn't get off. And then he says that Jesus is not the son. Well, he said several times that he is, and so I'll not waste any time on that. But he said, how did he pray? Now, how did he pray? He didn't say, I asked him, what is a man doing when he's praying? I didn't say, how does he pray? I asked him, what is he doing when he's praying? And he wouldn't tell me. He'll tell me in the next speech because I don't have any answer there. And when Jesus was praying on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? What did he say about Jesus being the supreme deity? And yet Jesus on the cross praying, my God, what did he say about the statement he made last night that he didn't want to pray in God? He wouldn't have a pray in God. He'd pass by a pray in God. And when I called his attention that that's the only God he says there is that was praying. When he said, my God, who said it? Why he said, I said, the son didn't say it, I didn't do it. I said, the Bible doesn't say son, it says Jesus. It was the son, of course. But it was Jesus who was the son. And he said, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? What did he say about it? Nothing. What was there he could say about it? Nothing. He'll wait till I'm done and then he'll say what he's going to. And then he says here that Daniel 3, 25, and he repudiated the King James Version again. He took up the American 
And do you believe the King James Version told the truth there? Look up at me. Do you believe the King James Version told the truth? Tell me. Look up here and check with it. I want to know. Do you believe he told the truth? Do you believe that Daniel 3.25 is the truth of the King James Version? Do you research? Do you believe it's the truth? I, well, he won't tell me. I thought maybe you what about you, Mr. Money? You won't tell me. Well, he won't tell me. Now, why is it you won't tell me? Because you don't want these people here. When we get away, then they'll begin to fix it up. Of course I believe that. But, so and so. Oh, I believe it, but. Now, why do you believe it's the truth? Tell me. Why won't you? I'll tell you what I'll do. You ask me. If I believe the King James Version is the truth, I'll put one hand on one uh, side, the other one on the other, and I'll tell you that I believe everything in it is the truth. Will you say it? Will you say it? I invite you to say it. I won't use the word there, but I will use the word invite. Will you say it? Oh, he's going to say it after I sit down. Yeah, you watch that. Now make a mental of that. He's writing. He'll tell you after I have sat down. Because he's afraid to tell you now. You know why he won't tell you now? He knows what I'll say. Now the King James Version says that that was like the Son of God. Now a thing can't be like something that doesn't exist. And he can call it a messenger all he wants to. In fact, the Greek word messenger means, uh, angel means a messenger sent. Why, men were, me were angels in the New Testament time. And let's he make a play on that. When John was on the Isle of Patmos, under the angel of the church at Ephesus and so on, that were, were, they were men that were sent over to the island and got the letter and took it back. The word in the Greek means an angel a messenger of any kind and the only way that you get a heavenly uh, angel is to be from heaven and so when he was in the fiery furnace the old god you can just say what you want to about his being a heathen or whatever you want to he said that's like the son of god and that was inspired too and god wrote it down and i believe it when he got caught and didn't know it was in there, then he tried to repudiate the Bible to get rid of it. And now the sun was present away back there. Now I want to pause to let you get your breath on that. He said, oh, I'll say the sun was present away back there, but not physically. And just before that, he said the only way the sun existed was physically. He's holy flesh. He's wholly physical, but he existed back there, but not physical. Now, Lord, have mercy on you. What will you say next? I'm telling you, now, if that isn't it, he's argued for four nights that the Son existed in no sense but the flesh. And now he said, oh, I'll admit that he ex existed away back there, but not in the flesh. Well, what was he in? What was he in? Tell me when you see. Yes. The mind of God. Life, I, only, I want you to give us a big one on that. 
Uh, yeah, I heard it. You're going to hear it too now to me. The mind of God. Then the Son of God only existed in the mind. Like a preacher on the witness stand in New York a few years ago, they asked the preacher, do you believe that there's a God? He said, no. I think that God only exists in the mind. He wasn't there then. And yet, did he exist in the flesh, in the mind of God, or some other way? How did he exist? You want to talk again? He existed only in the mind of God. Now, there's your preacher. He said that I said the Jews were wrong in believing in one God. I didn't do it. I said the Jews were wrong in believing that the three persons, that there were no three persons in the Godhead. That's what he's wrong. I didn't say that there isn't one but one God, but God is the Godhead. And there are three persons in it. That's what my proposition said. Now let me give you some scripture. I've answered everything he said. I want to give you some more scripture. What did he say about the baptism that Jesus said to baptize people in? Absolutely nothing. He didn't mention it. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He told him to baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What did he say about it? Nothing. He's waiting till I've finished, and then he'll get up and say something about it. You watch and see if he doesn't do it. He'll say something then. And remember this. I'll tell you again, lest you forget. That Greek word in, E-N, can only be used in one case. That's the dative case. That means the instrument or the medium by which a thing is. And it can mean to be within a place. But it can never mean, and I want you to hear this, my friends, it can never mean the passing of one position into another one. That's the Greek word ace. That's the one that's used in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, when it said, Go ye therefore and baptize all nations into the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. It's in in the King James Version, but the King James Version there translates that word from the Greek that says into. And that's exactly the reason my opponent wouldn't notice it, because he couldn't notice it. There is a difference in the word, a difference in the phrase, every time in the Bible. I want you to notice this, every time in the Bible. And incidentally, I've read the Bible a little. I know what this is. The every time in the name of Christ is used in the Bible, it's translated from the dative case, the little word in, and the is not translated the other. And every time that you find being baptized into, it's translated from the Greek preposition ace, which means to pass from without a thing into a thing. The other one doesn't mean that. And that's where my opponent makes his mistakes. Oh, he's writing. He's going to answer that now when I sit down. He had the chance the other time. I made the same argument the other time, and he wouldn't notice it. But he's going to notice it now. He, he, he'll have time now when nobody can answer back. And he's going to try to work the people up into a great shout and win the debate without having to argue. Because he couldn't tell you what that means. Baptized in too, my friends. Don't forget that. A man that'll take a book and read it to you and read something into it that isn't will take the Bible and do that. So you've got to check up on it. <clears throat> Baptized in too. 
What did he say about the scripture that I quoted in Acts 2? About the Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost? Absolutely nothing. He never even referred to it. <clears throat> what did he say about the scripture that I quoted in Ephesians 1 and began with the 22nd verse? Absolutely nothing. He never even mentioned it. There Paul said, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power when he raised Christ from the dead and sat him in his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion in every name. That's name, not only in this world and also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave the head over all things under the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What did he say about it? Nothing. He never even mentioned it. What did he say about the scripture that I quoted where Jesus made for himself no rep reputation, but humbled himself unto death? He never even mentioned it. You wouldn't even have known it was in there. And it was his duty to notice these scriptures. What did he say about the eighth Psalm? Nothing. What did he say about the verse that I quoted in the first chapter of Genesis? When it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void without form, and the waters well, the Spirit moved upon the face of the water. Now let me have the chart. That says, there are three that bear record in heaven. I want everybody to see that. I want you to go home with that on your mind. There you are, my friends. I begged him to analyze that. He won't attempt to analyze it. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And it says that they're one just like the man and in the church is one with everybody else. Jesus said that they all may be one as thou art Father in me and I in thee. And he says that they may all be one as we're one. And Paul says that when we're baptized into Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female, for we're all one in Christ. He says that's the way we're one. Not one big person, but three in the Godhead. Now let me have the chart that says, I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comfort, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, for it neither sees him nor knows him. There it is, and I.